in Mother Russia, you don't report on your transfer pricing. Your transfer pricing reports on you. While not a member of the OECD and its sometimes superpower status still able to make huge ripples in the world economy and global affairs, does anybody expect the former Soviet Union to be an easygoing jurisdiction for anything tax-related? In the case of transfer pricing specifically, that might more depend on, well, how dependable a target you are for repeated transfer pricing offenses, but more often if your revenues are big enough to pay. That comes with a lot of nuances, of course, which is why you're here, and also why Cross Borders' own transfer pricing expert, Milena Kanuska Srodeka, joins us on the phone from Poland to discuss in detail. In speaking of details, you can earn CPE credits just for listening to this podcast. Here's how it works. We're planting three CPE code words throughout the course of this show. Send all three via email to the Fiona Show at xbs.ai. Again, that's all one word, the Fiona Show at xbs.ai. Now let's take a look at transfer pricing in the news. While we've got our eyes on the crown, the British government has its eyes on multinationals and tax evasion. Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs is resuming its investigation on multinationals for profit shifting. The effort first launched in 2019 and was put on hold due to COVID-19. The HMRC has been sending written letters to multinationals since September, stressing that they examine their transfer pricing agreements and work with the Profit Diversion Compliance Facility. Companies have 90 days to present their transfer pricing information or risk, you guessed it, investigation. So why is the HMRC's transfer pricing kettle boiling over? The government is feeling the financial squeeze from the pandemic combined with an increase in taxes owed by the largest businesses operating in the UK. How much, you ask? An estimated 34.8 billion euros for financial year 2019 to 2020, an increase from 29.9 billion the year before. Look up the word persistence in the dictionary and you'll find a picture of the Canadian Revenue Agency next to it. Okay, not really, but they are relentless. The CRA continues its battle against mining titan Cameco, even with a series of losses under its belt. The latest news, the CRA filed an appeal to the Supreme Court on its Federal Court of Appeal case, which it lost this July. Here's what the legal war boils down to transactions conducted between the Canadian parent company and its Swiss subsidiary. The specifics, an intercompany contract beginning in 1999 set the uranium price at 10 US dollars per pound and continued for eight years. The problem, the set price that the parent and subsidiary established was the lowest global price of 2003, 2005, and 2006. Eek. The CRA is going even further. It will also be challenging the mining behemoths 2007 to 2013 tax years. If the Supreme Court of Canada takes the case, a verdict can be expected in mid-2022. The early bird gets the worm and transfer pricing compliance. The United States and Germany are teaming up to exchange country-by-country -country reports on large multinational companies. The IRS announced that the reports will apply from January 1st, 2019 to January 1st, 2020 in accordance with Article 26 of the Standing Treaty. But wait, let me clarify. This is a dress rehearsal, not the final performance. The countries are still in the midst of negotiations around a final competent authority agreement. So why are the two countries racing to the exchange altar? What happened to good old-fashioned patients? Here's the answer. By exchanging information, the tax authorities of both countries can gauge if an M&E is involved in tax avoidance. 
The competent authorities don't want to wait until the final agreement is, well, final to learn the outcome. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. Welcome back, everyone. We're here again with cross-border zone Milena Kanuska Srodeka talking about Russia as a jurisdiction. I've described a lot of jurisdictions as unique, but they really don't get more unique than Russia, and we're going to dive into why in a bit. But before we do, let's catch up with you, Milena. Uh, where are you located, and what's happening there in terms of COVID-19? I'm located in Poland, Warsaw. And as regards COVID-19, we have ups and downs, different uh, results of uh, positive tested people. So we are struggling like the whole world. No, I don't see a difference. I think that's more and more becoming the case as we get further into flu season with all of the folks that we talk to on this show from all across the world. There's becoming less and less of a difference in how things are going. Now, just looking at your career and in transfer pricing, what drew you to transfer pricing and what do you find interesting about it? I like transfer pricing because it combines different areas like low economics, uh, business, uh, organizational issues. And you cannot deal with transfer pricing when you are focused only on economic point of view or only on the legal requirements. You have to understand the business. And that's the issue I like most here. Yes, yes. I'll say even for learning about transfer pricing myself, I think I have a world of difference in terms of before I came into this industry and understanding how corporations work and how businesses on this scale work. Now, what mistakes do you see in that big picture view of multinationals, you know, making the same mistakes over and over again repeatedly? From my experience and issues that I see in my, by my, my clients is that the headquarters implement some new solutions, some new transactions or structure into the group. And they do not communicate with other entities all around the world. And it's this way that one entity in a given country doesn't have enough information on this restructuring, restructuring or transaction. And here comes the problems with tax authorities in the given country. So they usually do not communicate clearly what they intend to do. And they do not assess all the tax consequences their planning may have. And that's the key issue from my point of view. Turning to the subject of today's show, I think it's good to start off at least with describing how aggressive their federal tax service is. That's the tax authority in Russia. How would we characterize them 
in terms of aggression as a tax authority and what is the likelihood of a transfer pricing audit in Russia? So we would um, assess uh, tax authorities in Russia as very effective from my point of view because they audit the companies that are guaranteed most likely to pay out. And so they know where to hit and they make less effort and they got better results. And they aim to reduce administrative burden for taxpayers as well for themselves by simplifying some administration issues, which could also bring a larger scope of transactions that are open for general anti-abuse audits. The key point is that Russia takes uh, particular attention to anti-abuse regulations. And as regards sole transfer pricing, the highest risks are connected with cross-border commodity uh, transactions, transactions that involve low-tax jurisdictions, tax havens, any losses that occur that they may be subject to an audit. And of course, like in other countries, uh, service fees and royalties, any noticeable uh, changes in the tax base are also subject to control, any deviations from industry-wide benchmarks. Very important issue in Russia, which is also recognized in other countries, is that the uh, tax audits and transfer pricing are based on the exchange of information. So CBCR is very important tool for Russian tax authorities. As what to mention is that uh, tax transfer pricing audit may only uh, cover three preceding calendar years. And interrupting very briefly for our first CPE code word, and that code word is Catherine, as in Catherine Second, known as Catherine the Great. Also a very, very good show on Hulu if you haven't gotten a chance to see it. On the same subject, turning back to our conversation... Russia is known to examine the substance of transfer pricing transactions. Tell us about that. The key point of focus they have in tax audits, they incorporated into law unjustified tax benefit. It's it's very strongly uh, related to MDR reporting that we have. So any cases that you can have some doubts if the transaction is really in place are audited by the Russian tax authorities. So what they analyze is the business core. So if this is if a given transaction was uh, was reasonable, was has a business purpose, uh, was uh, actually in place, so they can check um, if a given transaction was actually performed by asking for documentation confirming, for example, provision of services. In turning to their OECD membership status, or I should say lack thereof, this is, of course, reflective of Russia's larger place in the world in that they only want so big a seat at the table in many official organizations, international organizations like the OECD. But, Milena, tell us, what does what does Russia's lack of an OECD membership status, yet its resemblance of the transfer pricing rules to OECD guidelines, tell us? First of all, as in many countries, OECD guidelines are not enforced by law. However, uh, Russian uh, TP regulations are mainly based on OECD guidelines, like in many countries. So they are not a member, but they use the solutions the OECD provides in guidelines. But differences, for example, as regards master file, master file uh, includes uh, functional analysis for financially prominent members of an M&E. As compared to OECD guidelines, we have material impact. 
other difference um, relating to master file is that it requires description of all transactions that have to do with transfer of rights for intangible goods. And OSD guidelines refers to material transactions only. And we have in Russia all transactions. Right. Now, and that extends to BEPS Action 13, which Russia adopted in November 2017. Yeah, exactly. So BEPS Action 13 applied to financial years beginning on or after January 1st, 2017. However, CCR is optional for financial years starting in 2016. Furthermore, Russia signed on to multilateral competent authority agreement on CBCR exchange also in January 2017. So they adopted BEPS Action 13 like most countries, 2017. If we can describe the transfer pricing documentation requirements on a general basis to give folks an idea of that distance between OECD guidelines, however minute. Yes, of course. So in Russia, we have also three tiered approach. Uh, so master file, local file, and CBCR. However, Russian law contains two types of TP documentation, the standard TP documentation and BEPS Action 13 compliant local file. And beginning from uh, 2018, local file replaced standard TP documentation in terms of cross-border uh, transactions. What's uh, important for taxpayers are the deadlines for submission. Local file and TP documentation have to be submitted within 30 days of request. And what's very important, and it's the difference between countries, it, is, um, it has to be submitted on requ upon request. In other countries, like in Poland, you, you don't have to wait uh, for mm. requests. You have to prepare the documentation. And for local file in Russia, it's uh, 30 days after request. And master file is submitted only upon request. And uh, what's important, this request is valid uh, not earlier than uh, 12 months and not later than 36 months after the end of the reporting financial year and should be supplied within three months after request. So it's a quite long time uh, for, for a taxpayer to present a master file to the tax uh, authorities. What's important, master file uh, threshold is 50 billion rubles uh, for MEs that have ultimate parent entity in Russia. For and the threshold uh, equivalent to CBCR uh, in the jurisdiction of the ultimate parent entity if UP is not in Russia. Worth noting because I think the last few jurisdictions we've covered on the show have these insanely fast turnovers for local and or master files. I know here the master file submitted within three months of request. That's that's a fair amount of time to, to at least uh, get one's house in order. Counteracting here, uh, the language requirement appears to be fairly strict. It should be in Russian. Yes, of course. So Cyrillic may be a challenge here mm -hmm. for most of us. Yes, the local language is required, so you have to prepare TP documentation in Russian. Now, what about CBCR notifications and reports? First of all, those notifications uh, are not part of the statutory tax return. The notification is required due uh, eight months following, uh, following the end of the reporting financial year. And it, of course, started after January 1st. So all the obligations relating to transfer pricing, this new BEPS transfer pricing, 
are valid um, on and after January 1st. And uh, I, I already mentioned the threshold. So uh, it is uh, 50 billion rubles, which is approximately 500 million uh, euros. And what's uh, important, and it happens also in other countries, external forms uh, of CBCR notification are required. And CBCR itself, uh, not the notification, so CBCR itself must be submitted 12 months after the end of the reporting financial year. And are there any special benchmarking requirements? Yes, they are. You are required to use local comparables if Russian tested party. In other cases, uh, you can use foreign comparables and they are tolerated if they refer to foreign tested party. However, it is suggested to review the relevant region, namely usually pan-European search and the pan-Asian search. And is there a preferred transfer pricing method or an hierarchy of methods? Yes. So first of all, uh, both uh, what's worth to mention that both international and domestic transactions use TP methods. And what's interesting, you are obliged to use the resale minus method, which is the resale price method, as the first one of your first choice uh, when a distributor is reselling goods to an independent customer. Cap method uh, rules out in all other cases. And uh, the last option is profit split. And BEPS Action 8 includes transfer pricing analysis requirements for intangible assets. How has Russia adopted these recommendations? These recommendations are adopted from January 1st, 2020. So new requirements. And the law determines risks and functions that should be taken into consideration when performing functional analysis that refers to intangible, of course. It is the DEMPE functions and risks, uh, and it means development, enhancement, maintenance, protection, and exploitation of intangibles. And what's worth to mention, tax code also determines intangible asset characteristics uh, that should be considered in case when you evaluate the comparability of uh, transactions um, involving uh, such assets. And we can name here intangible assets type. We take into consideration uh, whether it's exclusive, it's legal protection conditions like uh, duration and existence, value increase and potential income obtainment from the intangibles use. And how long is benchmarking accepted? In Russia, benchmarking is valid for three years uh, preceding the reporting year. Every year should be tested on independent basis. And as regards a fresh benchmarking search, it should be done every year based on the requirements set by the tax authorities. And there are special cases granted for long-term transactions like license agreements and loans, provided that the terms have remained the same. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. 
All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross-Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai rd. That's xbs.ai rd. And interrupting very briefly for our second CPE code word, and that code word is Sputnik, as in Sputnik 1, the world's first artificial satellite, which began the space race in 1957 and, of course, launched by Russia. Turning back to our conversation, and what are the other specific benchmarking criteria in Russia? So uh, I would name three key criteria. One, uh, net assets criteria, losses, and independence. As regards uh, net assets criteria, the, they should not be of negative value. So companies' uh, net assets should not have a negative value as of uh, end of December of the last three years preceding the reporting period. Uh, as regards uh, losses criteria, companies should not have reported losses in more than one year during the three-year period preceding the reporting year. And for independence, what's important, companies are eliminated from benchmarking analysis and considered as dependent if they have subsidiaries where direct, indirect, or total participation exceeded 25%, or they have a shareholder um, in the form of a legal entity with the same criteria, so excess of 25% in any year during the renewed period. What's uh, interesting, the independence threshold may be increased uh, up to 50% in case that we have less than four comparable companies based on the criteria. So if, if we have less than four, then threshold is doubled. And what about penalties? In Russia, they have financial penalties. But comparing to other countries, they are not so bad, in my opinion. So you can have penalty relating to TP disclosure, CBCR notification, uh, CBCR itself, master file and local file. And starting from the lower financial penalty, a lack of submission, late submission, or inaccurate information. In TP disclosure, it's a fine of 5,000 rubles. So it's not su such a high fine, in my opinion. It's the 50,000 rubles uh, for not submission, late submission, or uh, incorrect information in CBCR notification. And the other, like CBCR, master file and local file, the fine for late submission, lack of submission, may incur penalty of 100,000 rubles, which is about 1,000 euro. So it's not such a tough uh, fine. Right, right. Bearable, but still unpleasant. How likely is it that methodology will be challenged? I would assess this uh, as high, this risk, that uh, methodology would be challenged. 
since we should take into consideration the approach that the Russian tax authorities have. So they have general view on the substance of the transaction. They choose only the big players and to want to find something interesting. So they will double check each aspect of the documentation that we'll get from the taxpayer. And if the tax authorities can apply a comparable price method, that is a priority under Russian TP rules, except from the light resale, likelihood of an alternative methodology, if any, is to be challenged and to increase in practice. In which specific industries or situations are more likely to undergo an audit? So uh, it's just like in, uh, I would say, in other countries, control transactions have special TP audits. Uh, what's important, they are separated from general tax audits and should be completed uh, by this federal tax and uh, not local tax authorities. Most uh, transfer pricing audits are covering cross-border commodity transactions, transactions relating to low-tax jurisdictions like tax heaven, intercompany service fees. What's important should be taken into consideration while having transaction with Russia is that Russia does not accept cost sharing, so cost contribution arrangements. So the tax authorities focus here to make sure that uh, MEs aren't practicing mere cost allocation. Of course, service fees are commonly challenged for tax deductions if substance of the transaction isn't clear or we don't have uh, documentation in place that, that proves that service has been provided and uh, any significant changes in the tax base comparing year to year will for sure draw attention of the Russian tax authorities. And in August 2018, Russia amended transfer pricing rules by signing into law 302FZ. Can you tell us more about this law and what it means for taxpayers? So um, in a nutshell, this new law relieves a substantial number of domestic transactions from the transfer pricing rules. The same happened in other countries uh, too. It, it means, I would say, relaxing of the transfer pricing control. A new law, what's important, uh, will be effective for transactions for which, or with, with respect um, to which uh, income or expenses are recognized on or after January 1st, uh, 2019, regardless of when the contract was concluded. So it has no difference if it was the old contract, but you recognize any income or expenses after January 1st, 2019, the law is uh, applied here. And what's important, uh, this new law offers a unified income threshold of uh, 60 million rubles for cross-border transactions that may be classified as controlled for transfer pricing. And before this, uh, there was no threshold. So in consequence, the number of companies that have uh, to submit uh, documentation is lower right now. And what's important under this new law, domestic transactions are recognized as controlled if the annual income from the transactions exceeds 1 billion rubles. And at least one of the other criteria is met. So we have to double check it. Indeed. And transfer pricing is clearly growing as a focus in Russia. What trends can we expect to see in the future? 
For sure, the first thing that happens everywhere is implementation and enforcement of BEPS, possibly BEPS 2.0, which focuses on digital economy. And from my playground, I can say that the same issue in Russia, uh, tax authorities in employ experts right now. So former Big Four employees are now working for Russian uh, tax authorities. What's important, the complexity in TP audits increased. The, the, they uh, focus on issues from export to import and on services and royalties. So it's, it's spreading quite and new issues have to be double-checked by uh, taxpayers. Of course, uh, as we mentioned before, the issue of transaction it's uh, always there is a higher demand for comprehensive uh, TP analysis. We focus on substance uh, with value creation. So this uh, issue of substance of transaction, uh, it's uh, important not only for transfer pricing but also for corporate income tax settlements. And Russia recently proposed revisions of double tax treaties with Malta, Cyprus, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg, a story I remember from reading on our Hot Off the Press podcast. Can you tell us uh, more about the revisions and what they indicate to taxpayers? Yes, of course. So all the agreements are changing the way that the withholding tax are increased. It is 15% increase of withholding taxes uh, on dividends and interest. And it's, it re- regards the agreement with Luxembourg, Netherlands, where now uh, it, it is uh, 5%, it will be 15. Luxembourg increase uh, of 15, which uh, will come into force on January 1st, 2021. The, the same issues, the same change, 15% withholding tax on dividend and income from interest refers to Malta and Cyprus. And what's interesting, Russian Deputy Prime Minister Alexei Overchuk announced also that Russia may want to change tax agreements also with Switzerland and Hong Kong. So the changes are coming not only with respect to transfer pricing, but also with respect to withholding tax. Russia has some unique thresholds, a 30-day turnaround time for documentation, and also the burden of a local file for each entity in Russia. How can technology help in terms of compliance in Russia, given these circumstances? Technology can just uh, help us to take over data and to use the local data that are required in Russia. Uh, and use the particular databases like those uh, recommended by the Russian tax authorities like this uh, pan-European or pan-Asian. And it is much easier to use the technology as it makes it easier for taxpayers to prepare the documentation because uh, most of the work with numbers, with uh, data is done by the technology. So I would see here the huge help in process of preparing the documentation. And before we head into our rapid fire round, here's a brief synopsis of the major talking points from today's show, along with recent headlines coming from Russia when it comes to transfer pricing regulations. 
The Federal Tax Service of the Russian Federation, or FTS, essentially audits companies that are guaranteed or are the most likely to pay out. Therefore, transfer pricing audits in Russia are very rare. Audits are aimed at reducing administrative burden for taxpayers and simplifying administration for tax authorities. They could also bring a larger scope of transactions into the fray for general anti-abuse audits. Risk-based audit approaches focus on the highest transfer pricing risks. That's cross-border commodity transactions, transactions involving low tax jurisdictions, losses, large intercompany service fees and royalties, noticeable changes in the tax base, and deviations from industry-wide benchmarks. There is great reliance on audit evidence based on the exchange of information, in other words, the country-by-country report. Transfer pricing audits may only cover three preceding calendar years. When it comes to examining transfer pricing transactions in Russia, business rationale for the transaction is analyzed at its core. It cannot be tax optimization. The transaction needs real substance. Contract obligations must be fulfilled. Behaviors of the parties are questioned about consistency with those expected between third parties in comparable circumstances. Russia is not a member of the OECD, but many of its requirements are based on OECD guidelines. Master file requirements include a functional analysis for financially prominent members of an M&E group, as compared to the OECD guidelines references to material impact. The master file should also include descriptions of all transactions that have to do with the transfer of rights for intangible assets, as compared to the OECD guidelines references to material transactions only. Russia adopted BEPS Action 13 in November 2017 and uses the three-tiered approach, master file, local file, and country-by-country report. The thresholds for the master and local file are equivalent to the CBCR in the jurisdiction of the ultimate parent entity. If the ultimate parent entity is a taxpayer in Russia, the threshold is 50 billion rubles, or you'll hear this a lot, 657.7 million U.S. dollars, or 554.2 million euros. BEPS Action 13 pertains to financial years beginning on or after January 1st, 2017. The country-by-country report is optional for financial years starting in 2016. Russia also signed on to the Multilateral Competent Authority Agreement in January 2017. Transfer pricing documentation submission is only required when requested. Contemporaneous documentation is not technically required, but recommended, as local files must be provided 30 days after the request. However, there is a local language requirement, so if the FTS asks for documentation, do make sure it's in Russian. Russian law contains two types of transfer pricing documentation, the standard documentation, the three-tiered approach, and the BEPS Action 13 complaint local file, both of which require submission within 30 days of a request. Master files are required to be submitted only upon request. Requests are valid no earlier than 12 months and no later than 36 months after the end of the reporting financial year and should be supplied within three months of a request. The threshold for master files is 50 billion rubles for M&Es with an ultimate parent entity in Russia. Again, that's 657.7 million U.S. dollars and 554.2 million euros. 
the first master file can be asked for for financial years on or after January 1st, 2017. Multiple entities within an M&E group must have independent transfer pricing documentation for each legal entity in Russia. That's in the local file. Turning to country-by-country reports, CBCR notification is not part of the statutory tax return, and the CBCR notification requirement is due eight months following the end of the reporting financial year. There's a threshold of, again, 50 billion rubles. I think you know what that is in U.S. dollars and euros for M&Es with an ultimate parent entity located in Russia or the appropriate CBCR threshold as determined by the ultimate parent entity's home jurisdiction if located outside of Russia. This is much lower than the general threshold for country-by-country reports, 750 million euros. XML forms for CBCR notifications are mandatory for entities to complete. Country-by-country reports must be submitted 12 months after the end of the reporting financial year, the first mandatory filing period of the fiscal year starting on or after January 1st, 2017. Taken holistically, this indicates that Russia is aggressive in its transfer pricing regime. Turning to benchmarking, every year should be tested on an independent basis. Benchmarking analysis is valid for three years preceding the reporting year. Fresh benchmarking searches should be done every year based on the requirements set by the FTS. Special cases are granted for long-term transactions. In other words, license agreements and loans. Under the assumption that the terms have remained the same. Local comparables are required for the Russian-tested party. Foreign comparables are tolerated in the instance of a foreign-tested party. It is suggested to review the relevant region, be that a pan-European search or a pan-Asian search. As for other benchmarking requirements, there's the net assets criteria. That stipulates that the net assets of companies should not have negative value as of December 31st in the last three years preceding the reporting period. For losses, reported losses should not have been reported in more than one year over the three-year window preceding the reporting year. Russia isn't big on comparables showing losses. For judging a company's independence from its M&E group, companies are dismissed as dependent if they have subsidiaries where the participation, whether direct, indirect, or total, is over 25%. Or if there is a shareholder of a legal entity that reported participation, direct, indirect, or total, of over 25% in any of the years reviewed. The independence threshold amount can see a 50% increase if there are less than four comparable companies as a result of the standards just mentioned. When it comes to the hierarchy of methods, both international and domestic transactions use transfer pricing methods. The resale minus method, or the resale price method, has precedence when a distributor is reselling goods to an independent customer. The comparable uncontrolled price method, or cup method, is ruled out in all other cases, and the profit split is considered a last resort. It is a very high likelihood your methodology will be challenged in Russia. If tax authorities can involve a comparable price method that is preferred... By Russian transfer pricing rules, the chance of a different methodology challenge is likely to increase. 
when it comes to intangible assets. New regulations apply from January 1st, 2020 and determines the DEMPA risks and functions to be taken into consideration when doing a functional analysis that entails intangibles. DEMPA refers to the Development Enhancement Maintenance Protection and Exploitation, D-E-M-P-E, of intangibles. The Russian tax code also determines intangible asset characteristics that should be considered when evaluating the comparability of related transactions involving these assets. Intangible asset type, whether it's exclusive, legal protection conditions, value increase, and potential income obtainment from the intangibles use. On to the penalties. If there is no submission, a late submission, or incorrect information in regard to transfer pricing disclosure or notification, the penalty is 5,000 rubles or 65 U.S. dollars and 77 U.S. cents or 55.42 euros. If there is no submission or a late submission or incorrect information with regard to the country by country report notification, the penalty is 50,000 rubles or 657 US dollars and 74 US cents or 554.25 euros. That applies for financial years starting in 2020. If there is no submission, a late submission, or incorrect information in regard to the country-by-country report itself, that is a penalty of 100,000 rubles or 1,315 U.S. dollars and 49 U.S. cents or 1,108.52 euros. And that also applies for financial years starting in 2020. If there is no submission or a late submission of a master file, that can incur a penalty of 100,000 rubles. Same exchange rates as I mentioned before, and that applies for financial years starting in 2020. If no submission or late submission of the BEPS Action 13 local file may incur a penalty of 100,000 rubles or those aforementioned exchange rates and applies to financial years starting in, take note, 2018. Again, as opposed to the others starting in 2020, the no submission or late submission of the Action 13 BEPS local file applies to financial years starting in 2018. For specific industries and conditions, controlled transactions related to transfer pricing can have special transfer pricing audits. They are separated from general tax audits and should be completed by the FTS as opposed to local tax authorities. Most transfer pricing audits are addressing cross-border commodity transactions in transactions relating to low-tax jurisdictions. Other high-risk factors are as follows. Intercompany service fees. Russia does not accept cost-sharing or cost-contribution agreements. So the focus here is to make sure M&Es aren't practicing mere cost allocation. Service fees are commonly challenged for tax deductions if substance isn't clear or if the taxpayer can't document services or if services aren't aimed at generating income. As far as royalties and losses, royalties may be denied if there is no substance. The FTS is relying less on external cups and more on profit-based methods. Transactions that tax authorities feel were led to an unwarranted tax benefit may be examined using transfer pricing methods. In August 2018, 
Russia amended transfer pricing rules by signing law number 302FZ. The law provides a uniform income threshold, that's 60 million rubles, or 788,752 U.S. dollars, or 657,446 euros for cross-border transactions, meaning that fewer companies have to submit. Before the law, there was no threshold. Interesting, I know. It also covers transactions of income and expenses on or after January 1st, 2019, irrespective of when the related contract was done. Transfer pricing is clearly growing as a focus in Russia, so what trends can we expect to see in the future? Implementation and enforcement of BEPS, possibly BEPS 2.0, which focuses on the digital economy. We can also expect increased transfer pricing expertise on the part of Russian tax authorities. Also, demand for higher transparency among multinationals. There should be increased complexity in transfer pricing audits, shifting from commodities, other products, from exports to imports, and on services and royalties. There will also be demand for comprehensive transfer pricing analysis with a focus on substance with value creation. There will be higher reliance on technology and tax administration and more joint and simultaneous transfer pricing audits involving foreign tax authorities. Recently, Russia proposed revisions of double tax treaties with Malta, Cyprus, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg. In Luxembourg's double tax treaty, withholding taxes on dividends and interest has been increased to 15%, expected to enter into force on January 1st, 2021. The Netherlands and Russia are in talks of a proposed 15% rate. The current tax rate is 5%. And last we checked, as of April 2021, those talks aren't going so well, but don't count them out officially just yet. Malta has a new protocol around its 2013 double tax treaty. The withholding tax rate now stands at 15% on interest in dividend income, with some exceptions approved to some institutional investments, the agreement was made official on August 13th, 2020. Cyprus has changed its 1998 double taxation treaty with Russia. The withholding tax rate has been increased again to 15% on repatriated dividend and interest income. The tax treaty amendment was made official in September 2020 and will go into force on January 1st, 2021. As of August 2020, Russian Deputy Prime Minister Alexei Overchuk announced that Russia may want to change tax agreements with Switzerland and Hong Kong. Shortly thereafter, and not too long after this episode was recorded, Russia announced a new agreement with Hong Kong to exchange country-by-country -country reports for fiscal years 2017 and 18. That wraps us up for our synopsis. Let's head to our rapid-fire round. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing 
software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of Cross-Border Solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp. That's xbs.ai slash tp. I want to thank you, Milena, so much for being on the program, and we've had a insightful, insightful discussion so far, but before we close, we have time for my favorite part of the show, our rapid-fire round of questions we call what we want to know, but always question one for our transfer pricing expert we put in the hot seat for this round is, are you ready? Yes, I think so. And for question number two, when do you feel most challenged? Now, in the hot seat round. <laughs> I like that. That was that was fast on your feet. Now, what have you learned about your work habits during the stay-at-home order? Uh, I'm more effective uh, than when I work at the office. Definitely. Amen to that. And what would the title of your memoir be? It depends what we understand under memoir, because I'm not sure if you mean uh, CV or um, working paper that I would write. Perhaps if it was transfer pricing, it might be filed contemporaneously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So I guess it, it would depend on the angle, but but I, I think uh, for our, for the purposes of our audiences, that that answer might suffice. When it comes to work, are you an early bird or a night owl? Night, oh, definitely. And what it, oh, sorry. I don't like to wake up in the morning. <laughs> that makes two of us. And what advice do you have for someone starting their career in transfer pricing? So this is a rapid question, rapid answer. Enjoy. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, exactly. Or live long and prosper. Ooh, I like that one, too. I'm a big Star Trek fan myself. We want to thank Milena for being on this podcast today. We want to thank everyone for tuning in at home. You're probably waiting on your third and final CPE code word, and we waited till the very end to give it to you, and it's Gorbachev, as in Mikhail Gorbachev, the last leader of the Soviet Union. Again, that code word is Gorbachev. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you haven't already, while you're there, also subscribe to our short-form sister podcast. That's the Fiona Show Hot Off the Press with all of the latest reg changes and transfer pricing headlines from around the world in under 10 minutes. My name is Matthew DeMello, and they let me host, edit, and engineer this podcast. Christy Clements is our associate producer. Mary Lynn Mitchum-Strom is our executive producer. Until next week, everyone, stay safe and wear a mask. Bye.